2012 Urban Evangelization with Bishop Julian Porteus. Bishop Porteus is the Auxiliary Bishop and Episcopal Vicar for Renewal and Evangelization in the Archdiocese of Sydney. This scene from the workshop is recorded in collaboration between XTC.com and Cradio. Urban Evangelization. So what, what we're doing is um, looking at just one facet of uh, of evangelization. There, there are many, many different facets, many different uh, aspects to, to evangelization. I mean, we can, we can talk about obviously the, the one-to-one evangelization, you know, and, and those who are doing a bit of street evangelization, you learned a little bit about how to engage in conversation and ha- how to proceed with a conversation that's that where you're doing some evangelization. And of course, there's the general areas of, um, of personal evangelization. Uh, we can talk about, uh, <clears throat> for instance, um, evangelization at a university campus, the, the, the ways that we might specifically focus on, uh, on work within a, a university. And that, we can talk about a school as well, what, what, what can we do in a school. We could also talk about parish evangelization, how we could go about working in, in, a, in a parish. Um, so th- there are many, many aspects to evangelization. When we talk about it, there are many different avenues that we could we could explore. Uh, I'm just going to talk about one particular aspect this afternoon, urban evangelization. Uh, maybe later on we might talk about sub-urban evangelization. We'll see how we go. If we want to go into that, we could. But um, I'm happy to focus on, on this, this question of urban evangelization. Now, maybe I could, might be good just to explain um, a little bit of, of the particular nature and character to urban evangelization. And that is it's obviously connected with the, the rise of the modern city. And when we talk about urban evangelization, we're really talking about a modern city like, like Sydney or Canberra or Melbourne, these other places. But um, if, you, if you look at, the, the, if you like, a profile of a, of a city, uh, say the city of Sydney, and if you just then, from either your travels or your or pictures you've seen or, or conscious of what cities were like, say, um, 400 years ago, 500 years ago, something like that, think back to some of the, maybe we think of European cities in particular, um, to think about what cities were like then. Just the comparison might be useful just then to, to look at the particular issues related to urban evangelization today. So if you look at a medieval city, and particularly in Europe, obviously because, say, in Europe, um, uh, Europe had been evangelized and, and, and um, and Christianity was very deeply embedded in the culture of, uh, of Europe. Um, so when the cities were being uh, built, uh, it's often the case that, that uh, apart from the, the palace of the king, probably the biggest uh, building in town was the church or the cathedral. Um, and, and we have a number of European cities where, where the cathedral, a good example is, a, is, a, is, is um, Chartres Cathedral in, uh, in France, which has a magnificent cathedral with a great high lofty spire. It just absolutely dominates the whole town. You could almost feel that the town was built around the cathedral. Um, and, and in many 
many of the even um, in, in if you go to uh, um, to Paris and look at the the uh, cathedral there, Notre Dame Cathedral there, you can see it's right in the centre of the Ile de la Cité, right in the centre of um, the River Seine. It's it's sort of very dominant position. It's uh, Got got a large area out in front of it. Uh, it's a it's a you know a, a magnificent building that just very much dominates the environment around it. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> and so and so with many of the great cities of Europe, <clears throat> the the cathedral, the basilica, um, was something that was a very a very, very dominant uh, presence in the in the city and. <clears throat> And of course, the other thing was that, uh, particularly with the development, uh, this mainly happened that the great cathedrals were built in the 12th, 13th centuries in particular. I mean, they were built later than that, but uh, the Gothic, the great Gothic cathedrals were built around that period. And, uh, <clears throat> and with their great spires, there was a very clear structure to the cathedral. You know, St Mary's Cathedral here is a neo-Gothic cathedral, so it's built along Gothic style but um, with the spire reaching up to heaven and when you go inside the cathedral there's this great sense of space yeah it's a lofty building um, all of this was communicating a lot of things to people who lived in the city firstly the spire reaching up and, and the spire standing up there was this sense of you know directing things towards heaven you know things were were, were, were moving up and, and even when you walk into some of the great basilicas, you, you immediately lift it up. You know, when, uh, that was my first experience going to, to St. Peter's in Rome. You know, when you walked into St. Peter's in Rome, you wow. You know, and, and, and you just behold something magnificent, something beautiful, something inspiring, and something that transfers you to another realm, the realm of the spiritual, the realm of faith, and there you have the statues, and outside the church you have, you know, the various statues outside, and, and so on. And inside the church, the altar area, and, and so on. So, if you think of a person living in a city in those times, they they were very conscious of the reality of their faith. There, there was this testament in the in the city to their faith, and 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 so really what, what was their personal faith was, was also being uh, ex given expression and reminder by the architecture that they, they encountered. And, and so it, it, this was making simple but clear declarations of the fact that, that, that God exists, the spiritual realm is real, and that uh, God has a critical place, a central place to play in, in the individual lives and indeed in the life of, of the city. Now, not to say they're all perfect and they, all, they weren't, you know, they were sinners and failures and, and so forth in a lot of ways. But, but certainly the, the, the sense of what we, yeah, what we did call Christendom, the sense of the Christian faith being clearly articulated uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the city meant that people were, um, were conscious of the reality of the spiritual. Uh, in their daily lives. 
and of course in, in many of the great cities in Europe not only was there the uh, cathedral but there were obviously many other churches around and, and often too that they were bigger churches often the, the other buildings were, were kept to one or two stories maybe three stories in height but the, the church often would be a more dominant structure that would, uh, would be there evident to people and you, they could walk past a church quite regularly if they were, you know, if you lived in Rome or somewhere like this, you know, every street there's a, there's a church. <laughs> um, so what I'm saying here is that, is that we had the situation of cities, uh, particularly in Christian countries, uh, that, uh, whereby the presence of faith, the presence of the, the Catholic faith was in clear evidence and people couldn't help but be conscious of faith and elements of faith because of what they experience uh, around them. So I think I've painted the picture fairly clearly. You can understand that. Now think of a modern city. Maybe we think of Sydney. Let's think of Sydney for a moment. Now, immediately when you see all the and even the scene logo, when you look, look if you look at the logo for for scene on your thing there, it has a profile, doesn't it, of the of the outline of the city. There's the Harbour Bridge, there's the Opera House, there are the large towers, but there's, there's not the church. Even though we have a magnificent cathedral here, uh, here in Sydney, the biggest cathedral in Australia, a beautiful neo-Gothic cathedral, it's on the edge of the city. We, we're, we have an advantage here in Sydney that we don't have in, in other places in that it is away from the main city. If you go to St Patrick's in New York, you know, it, it's dwarfed. You know, the, the great St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York is just dwarfed by these huge office towers e either side of it, you know. And, and really, all the images of a modern city really give testament to the achievement of man. Now, that is good in the sense that we, we, we can build magnificent structures, beautiful structures, um, but there is a reality now that, that um, in terms of the, the life of the city, it is the, the works of man that are so much more dominant than buildings built to the glory of God. And uh, in, in, in many cities now, I, I think, for instance, of Brisbane, if you go to Brisbane, the, their cathedral is relatively small and is, is quite, it's in the centre of the city, but quite dwarfed um, by, the, by the whole cityscape around it. And, uh, and, and also we find now that uh, within cities as they've grown and developed and, and they've become very, very big, um, that the number of churches uh, are not very, very much in evidence. There's, you know, in Sydney you'd have to, uh, particularly if you're just walking in the CBD area, where would you see a church? Well, there's, there is St Patrick's Church Hill, that's, that's up a bit of a side street, that's not in the main part of town. Um, You'd have to go down to, uh, if you were to go down to Peter Julian's down at, in Haymarket, but it's just, it's not evidently a church outside because it's just more, you've got a facade inside, you can find a church. But, but in other words, for, for a person walking through the city, there, there aren't really any testaments to faith, really. Or, or if, they, if they do exist, they're hard to find or they're small. And, and so they don't seem to be very significant any longer and when you look at a city like Sydney um, and, and we're advantage of being right in the center of city for this uh, week of scene 
when you look in the city, you have all the neon lights, you have all the, all the advertising hoardings, you have all the um, um, colour and, 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 and um, presence of various things that uh, are sending out a message about living this life and if they're advertising it's all about uh, the, the themes of advertising which are very much focused on self and satisfying the needs of self and, and so on um, the lights and the color are all inviting you to uh, to to be involved in entertainment or or various other activities um, uh, and, and so again there, there's as, as people live in the cities there's there's, there's not really anything to draw their attention to the presence of faith, the presence of spirituality, uh, the transcendent in any way. So it seems now that the, the works of man have very much uh, dwarfed uh, the presence of God in, in the cities. And, and, and certainly a case like Sydney, for at one stage Sydney was really just office towers and then, and then I remember when I was growing up here, on weekends Sydney was completely dead. There was just no activities in the city and people would go elsewhere for their entertainment and so forth. But now there's an increasing tendency to build um, accommodation towers and, and uh, there's so many more restaurants and activities and the cities, there's the Darling Harbours and, the, or, and, and there are many events now that are celebrated in cities, marathons and all that sort of thing that have, and in, there are things happening in Hyde Park at different stages so they, they've regenerated um, life within the city so people's, a lot of people's entertainment and social life and so forth is now centred around the cities. But again, um, these things are very much focused on life here immediately and, 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 and so there's very little testament to the presence of faith. So it seems to me that one of the issues we do need to consider when we want to talk about this question of urban evangelization is just simply this fact that now we could say that it would seem that the cities on the surface just have no point of communication about the things of God, about things of faith, about there's no real uh, witness to anything connected with faith. So we don't even see, um, in some cultures, in some places you might find some people have a holy statue, a statue in their, in their office or something like that. Well, well, that would be completely frowned upon today. Uh, I don't know if anybody's tried to say, I'd like to have a statue of Our Lady on my desk in my office in the Commonwealth Bank. You know, I just don't know how that would be received. <laughs> so in other words, we, we don't really want to have any signs of, of faith. In fact, you know, there are movements, to try, you know, secularist movements, are really trying to make sure that there's nothing that represents uh, faith in any way in, in, uh, in, in a modern urban environment. So this, this would kind of, um, if you like, um, give expression to something that uh, really struck me that uh, that, that Pope John, Blessed John Paul II said in, uh, in a document he wrote to lay people, uh, Christopher Daly's laity, but in that document when he was speaking about a need for a new evangelization, he was just talking about the fact that now there are people living in the cultures who, and his words were, who live as though God does not exist. And we could sort of say urban environments can be like that. Urban environments can be such that people are living 
so God does not exist. And there are no signs. Now, now people can have obviously have a personal faith and go along to St. Patrick's Church Hill for confession and um, perhaps go down to, to the Blessed Sacrament to, to church to have, um, have times of adoration and, and these churches do offer some services. But in terms of evangelization, you've really got to know. You've got to know where the churches are and you've got to be somehow connected with the church in order to participate in, in, in the churches. Um, people will come to St Mary's Cathedral, the tourists, we've got a lot of Chinese tourists. Um, I tell you a lot of funny stories about Chinese tourists here, but, but Chinese tourists will come in and they'll, they'll visit the church uh, as tourists. Um, but you don't get a lot of people... In fact, I was talking to a reporter on Sunday who was who's in, interviewing me after the Mass here. He's, and he lived, he lived in Sydney all his life and he's saying that was the first time he'd ever been inside St Mary's Cathedral. Now, I suppose there's no reason for him to come until he was wanting to film me uh, saying Mass last Sunday, but, but the point is many people would never go inside a church. And many, and I think we have to, you know, we're very used to, you know, we, we're travelling around and we also, you know, if you go to Rome or France or somewhere, you want to visit the churches, you know. Um, but, but um, you know, there'll be many, many people in Sydney who live in this city who've never, ever been inside a church. They've got no idea what's inside it. No idea what, what, what it is testament to. So, so this, is a, this is a challenge we have now with this urban living. Um, so it seems to me that um, we do need to accept a, a, a certain challenge here, not to just say, well, what can we do about that? That's just the reality. That's, that's modern urban life now. That's what's, what's transpired. And, um, and you know, we'll, we'll, we, could, we could just leave it. Or, or we could sort of say, how can we evangelise in a city? Is it possible? And, and, and I, I suppose if, uh, you know, if, if you walked into a big city like, like Sydney, if you, you walked around Sydney, you'd sort of say, well, how can we make a difference? How can we make an impact? How can we create a presence? How, how can we give a witness to the reality of Christian faith in the city of Sydney? So that was one of the questions that was on my mind for some time. I was thinking about, how can we do something? See, one, well, I have a few little sayings about evangelization, and one is to say that for too long we have been silent and invisible. The time has come for us to be seen and heard. So I like to be seen and heard. Now, you probably noticed there's been a very good example of that during this week. <laughs> Down in Martin Place. <laughs> we're seen and we're heard and you know the expo and the lunchtime concerts are very deliberate the reason we're in Martin Place because that's in one sense it's kind of the centre of the city you know it's the centre of the CBD in Sydney so you, it's important to use to go to places that are symbolically significant, you know, um, not just be on the edge, but be at the centre. So, so, um, so that's why we're down in in Martin Place, um, and the Expo is just one idea. It's just one way of doing it, one way of, of being a presence, um, and I think it's a very good way. It's it's very uh, engaging for people. They're curious, you know, and and uh, the stalls are all 
in a lot of them are very interesting. They've got giveaways and they've got different things that attract people's attention and a bit of colour and, and light and, and so forth. And then, of course, the music is also very important um, and, and the, the concerts that are on. You know, you, you, saw, you saw what happened, you know. And then we, we all do it, don't we? If there's, a, if there's a bit of a crowd, you sort of want to come and <laughs> see what's going on, don't you, you know? And, and, you know, and we do it at lunchtime because people come out of the office at lunchtime. It's no good doing it at 6 o'clock at night because they're all running home after work. You know, they're, they're tired from the day, they're not going to stop. But they got their lunch hour. So it's a perfect time to do it during their lunch break. You know, they're out there, they're, they're going off to just buy something to eat, they want to just sit quietly, have a break from the office, and they're being entertained, there's some music, there's a bit of something's happening, curious, so they come along, they wander along, look at the stalls, see what's, see, what, see what's on. We all do that, don't we? We just, human beings have a natural curiosity, you know, to want to, to see what's happening, what's, what's going on and so on. So, so that, that, I'll just take that one, that example for a moment to say that, that part of the reason we have seen the way we do is, is to, to, to address this question of how can we evangelise in, in a city. And the first level is that idea of it being seen and heard. I, I think um, when we do look at the Catholic Church, while there are many things that happen in the church. Um, you know, St Mary's Cathedral are constantly things happening here. But it's, it tends to be for people who are already involved or who are invited to something, so there's a special mass on or there's some special event. So, and that's good. I mean, obviously the church is there to provide for the needs of the, of the, of the Catholic people. But in terms of evangelization, we, we do need to, to find ways of going outside the church. Eventually you want to, meeting people on the streets, you want to eventually bring them to the church. But it's very difficult to get people to immediately come inside a church. I remember years back, I learned a very important uh, lesson about this. As I, when I was a young priest, one of the, in my first parish, I decided that I would run, because I got involved in evangelization from the very beginnings of my priesthood. And I decided that I would, uh, would I'd have a, a youth mission. And so we had this week of mission, which was for young people in the parish, and we held it in the parish hall. That seemed to be the natural thing to do. And that was quite successful, and a lot of good things came out of that. When I went to my next parish, I, I thought, oh, I'll do the same thing. I'll, I'll have, this was Manly Parish. I thought I'd have a, uh, another parish mission in, in Manly. And I was just starting to think about it and plan how, when I'd have it and how I'd go about it and so on. And I happened to be invited to, to have a, uh, a meal with a, a family from the parish and uh, just talking to them. They had some young um, uh, children or some teenage children. And, uh, and, and, and the question came, as parents often ask the priest, the young priest particularly, you know, what, what are you going to do about young people, you know? And they were concerned that, you know, we, that I would be doing something for young people. I said, well, yes, I've, I've been thinking about that too. And I thought what I would do is I would run a, uh, have a parish mission. And, uh, and then the, uh, the, the father said, um, so we're going to hold it. And I said, oh, I'm going to hold it in the parish hall. It's a good, good, good parish hall there, they hold it there. And he said, yeah, that's all right. He said, yeah, you could hold it in the hall. But all that will do 
is that that will attract the kids who are already oriented one way or another towards the church. He said, what about all the kids who aren't? All the kids who drift away who would never dream not only of going into a church, but never dream of going to a parish hall. It would be too churchy. It would be too, too, you know, just too confronting for them. They're not at that place. And this is manly and this manly surfy culture and drinking and drugs and all sorts of stuff. This is back in the uh, beginning of the 80s. And I came away from that meeting saying, he's right. He's right. He's, and and, I, and that's when I got the phrase, said, no, what I need to do is go into the marketplace. Because, you know, there were two places where Jesus used to go. He used to go to the synagogue, but also in the marketplace. There's a place for the synagogue, yes, but there's also a place for the marketplace. And, and so I said, no, that's, that's right. If you're going to do an evangelising effort, then it really needs to be in the marketplace. So then I had to think in Manly, what would be the marketplace? What we eventually decided to do was we used um, the Manly Oval, which is, I don't know if you know, just down the bottom of the hill, when you come into the hill from Manly, and it's a, a cricket ground during summer and a rugby union ground during winter. And, but it's a, it's a good, it was a good location. And uh, so I made some inquiries and I was able to get hold of it uh, for three nights, uh, a Thursday, Friday and Saturday night. So this is going to be our three-night mission and we're going to have them thing. So I, I, I met this bloke and in the parish who was in advertising. I said, what do you think I should call it? And I was telling him what I was doing. He said, he said I reckon we should be, be up front, completely up front. Jesus Christ at Manly Oval. So that's what we did. We called it Jesus Christ at Manly Oval. So, <laughs> so, so we put on this rally, uh, we had music and testimony and preaching and, and stuff, and um, we had thousands turn up. Thousands, busloads came to it. And there are many wonderful things that happened through that. But that began for me, um, an awareness that has stayed with me ever since, that in terms of evangelization, yes, there are things you will do in the church. There are things to do in the, in, the, in the parish hall. But really, if you're going to try and reach the population, if you're going to try to communicate uh, with those who, who are not directly connected to the church, you need to be out in the marketplace in one form or another. So this has remained with me since 1980. So I've been doing all sorts of stuff in all sorts of uh, ways in the marketplace. So I've, you know gone into, uh, we've, we've done things in shopping centres and, you know, all sorts of things. So, so I think that's important when we come to urban evangelisation. We, we, we do need to look at the whole idea of finding ways in which we can be out there in the marketplace, be seen, be heard, uh, engage with people. So I mentioned, you know, scene has that as, as a particular uh, endeavour. So that's, if you like, the theory behind why we're down in Martin Place and what we're trying to do. And so somebody who lives as though God does not exist and never really thinks about God because they're never really confronted with the question of God, perhaps in their daily life, whose his lives, perhaps in and around the city, are just all the time filled with the experience of man, suddenly uh, confronted by the fact that there, there, there are people who live very much oriented around God 
and they're seeing these people and they're seeing what they're doing and and they seem you know happy ordinary reasonable sort of people and and um and, and so it may be it's very simple maybe not have much more than than just alert them to the presence of of um, people of faith who are also in the city but uh largely invisible so so that's that's just to look at that example i'll, I'll talk about a few other uh examples um maybe talk about one other thing i do and then i'll talk about a few other things the, the one of the other things that um that that we've begun to do in sydney is that um back in 2005 uh, blessed john paul ii uh, had a year of the Eucharist. He, he, he called the church to focus his attention on the Eucharist. And particularly, he took the phrase, um, remain, remain with me from, from the uh, Acts of the Apostles, from, sorry, from the from Luke's Gospel, the story of the two men going to Emmaus. And at the end of the journey, they said, stay with us for evening is coming close. So stay with us. He used that phrase. And... Um, and so there was a certain focus on the Eucharistic presence, Christ being with us, staying with us. And so at the end of the, of the year, and the Cardinal asked me to, to uh, put on some activities um, during the course of the year to promote the year of the Eucharist. At the very end of the year, I felt we should do something as a culmination to the year of the Eucharist. So what I proposed to the Cardinal was that we would have a Eucharistic procession through the streets of Sydney. And, and what we would do is that we would start at St. Patrick's Church Hill. Now, St. Patrick's Church Hill is very significant in the Catholic life of Sydney because there was a family called the Davis family who had a house on the present side of St. Patrick's Church. And that was the house, one of the places where Mass was celebrated for the Catholics because there was no church before they had a church. So they'd go there for the, for the Mass on Sundays. And um, there was a priest there who was a, a convict um, and, and he, was, he was there to be given permission to say, say Mass. He wasn't officially rec recognised as a chaplain or anything, but the governor allowed him to say Mass. However, at, uh, there was a, an uprising of Catholics at the, what's called the Castle Hill Rebellion and, uh, and the governor just got very nervous that the Catholics, because a lot of Catholics were involved in that rebellion, and got very nervous that the, the Catholics might start rising up, you see. So he, he felt that the priests were people that called the Catholics together. So there's this priest there, so he, there's a boat leaving town that day, so he said, right, so I'll just get that priest, I want him out of here. I don't want any more trouble from these, from these Catholics. So the priest got dragooned down, put on a boat, sent, sent, sent back to England. Now. So much has happened so quickly that, that the priest didn't have, even have a chance to go and collect the, the reserved Blessed Sacrament, which was kept in the house. And so for a number of years after that, there was no priest in Sydney, and so the Catholics would come to that house and pray before the Blessed Sacrament. Now, if you go to St Mary's Cathedral, on this side of the cathedral, in one of the stained glass windows, you'll see a stained glass window depicting that. Um, so that bit of history is there depicted in one of the stained glass windows in the cathedral. And, <clears throat> so that was, and then when, the, the, when the, the, eventually the Davis family donated the, church, the, the, the property to the church and then the, the Morris fathers um, built a church there and it's continued ever since. It's always, it's always been a very special spiritual presence in, in Sydney. <clears throat> so 
so that was a place, so St. Patrick's Churchill was a place where the first Catholics in Sydney uh, met and gathered to pray around the Blessed Sacrament. So I thought that's got to be the place we start from. And of course we'll come up to St. Mary's Cathedral, the Mother Church for, for the Archdiocese. So, so, but we'll walk through the streets. So we got permission and, and, and we did it and uh, thousands turned up for this procession. And then the Cardinal said we should do this every year. So we now do it every year, done every year, I think this is was it 2005 so if somebody does their sums maybe the seventh one this year or the eighth one this year i think the eighth one this year um, and we now do, do it on the feast of corpus christi the feast of the body and blood of christ um, now apart from apart from being an expression of catholic faith and linking in with the the, the tradition that goes back um, right back and, and to the uh, the 13th century the middle of the 13th century of having eucharistic processions in towns um, it's also a very important um, public witness to faith. And so, you know, even this year when it poured rain, <laughs> it poured down rain, uh, we walked through the streets and there was just this sea of umbrellas. And, and if you've seen the images of it, it's one of you just see, because we, we had about five or 6,000 people and there was just the whole of the church, the whole of the streets was just full of people uh, walking along and then the whole of the front of the, the there wasn't that master chef thing there that was all empty and on the top of the steps there was a we built a, we had a little shrine and then we the blessed sacraments brought there we can't go in the cathedral because we can't fit everybody in the cathedral holds about three thousand uh, so we just can't fit them in so we have it outside but the whole of that that uh, area in front of the cathedral was full of people and they're even over in hyde park looking over um, across to look because they couldn't get because of all the umbrellas I think they couldn't see what was going on but so apart from being a, a testament to faith what it also is is a witness to the city there are people in this city who believe in Jesus Christ who believe in his real presence among us in the sacrament so we, we do it as a witness to faith so, so there's just two examples of, of things w ways in which we can bring the presence of christ bringing bring testimony and witness to faith into urban centers now there are many others and I'll, I'll talk about a few things but i want to talk about something that we've, we're doing this week that you're aware of and something we do in connection with the um with the uh, procession of the blessed sacrament and that is that we have people doing street evangelization and that is very much again an urban thing because because as you know in the city there are a lot of people on the streets it's very different to go out to a dormitory suburb everybody's in their cars but in the street but in the city everybody's on their feet they're walking around yeah, because the city's and they're limited by what's what's available so as you know particularly lunchtime there are thousands of people milling around Martin Place. There are thousands of people down Pitt Street Mall, which is a mall. So it's, it's, it's actually been turned over for people who want to walk. And there are people hanging around Hyde Park because that's a, if, if it's a nice sunny day, it's a nice place to go and have your lunch. Yeah. So cities also naturally in, invite people, particularly now the way they've created cities, naturally invite people out on the streets. So we have a good opportunity to talk to them. It's not so much going and knocking on their door. These days that's a big problem because 
people are so busy and they're running around that, that you often don't get anybody at home. You can go to a block of units, one of those units over there and probably be very few of the people home. They'll be out somewhere. So, so while there is a place occasionally for door-to-door evangelization, it's limited. But in the cities, we have a new possibility, a new opportunity on the streets. So, for instance, during the Eucharistic procession, we have evangelization teams. And as the procession's moving along, they go on the footpaths either side, because we take up the whole street, they go on the footpath either side, walking along, and, and people will be just out there walking, you know, going out, visiting the city for one reason or another on a Sunday afternoon. And they're stopping, they're curious, you know. Now, they'll, they'll, often there'll be people who have no idea who these people are, What's that man carrying that gold thing? You have no idea at all of this. We know. But many, many people who have who've lost touch with religion have no idea. So the, the teams all have T-shirts, blue T-shirts. On the back of it has Ask Me. <laughs> the T-shirts. And then, and then they will come up to somebody and say, well, do, you, do you know what this is? No, no this, th- th- these are Catholics. And, and you know they may, they may be from China or somewhere and don't even know what a Catholic is, you know. Uh, and then say, now the the, the the bishop there is carrying the blessed sacrament. Uh, we believe that's the body of Christ. That Jesus said, you know, and he talk about the whole meaning of the Eucharist. And then, like you've got now, they have in their in their um, bags, they have materials to give out. We have materials on the blessed sacrament. And materials on basic information about the Catholic Church, um, different things we can give people according to their needs, and um, and we find it marvelous afterwards that people will uh, that the the evangelising teams will talk about the fact that they had some really good conversations with people because they were able. To, so what we've done is we can't get somebody to a church and say this is mass, this is this is the, that's the tabernacle, you know, they haven't gone to church, but the churches come on the streets. And, and so people then get curious and you can talk to people about, about our faith. So it gives an opportunity for us to give a, a witness, explanation to, to our faith. And that's why this week too, you know, it's not, it's not just enough, you see, it's not only to be, to be seen and heard, but we need to accompany that with testimony to what, what we believe. So... It's, it's the first thing is to have something that attracts people's attention, but then you need to be able to actually have people who are talking to them about the meaning and significance of what's, what's taking place. So that's why we have street evangelization. That's why we're encouraging you this week to have an experience of street evangelization to see, um, to see how it, it, it may be done. So, so these are just two examples. Um, there, there are many many other things uh, that, that we can do. We were hoping to have, um, we were meant to have a concert out here on Saturday night to finish the Grace Fest concert. And we had, uh, I think we had a pencil booking, but so I don't know what happened, but anyhow, MasterChef came in and <laughs> maybe they put some more money on the table than we, we were going to do. <laughs> and uh, so we, we lost the square. I'm very keen to use that, that square. We were going to have a big, Big concert because again, be, it was going to be a Saturday night. There'll be young people hanging around, going to the city Saturday night. We could invite them along to the concert and and, and, and so on. So uh, we, we're now having it at Broadway in 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 Notre Dame, 
which would be a wonderful location, but we won't have quite the same evangelising opportunities that we would have if we had it here. But that's, again, something we can do. And on a number of occasions we've put on, uh, we've had various concerts there um, in, in, on the, in the forecourt of the cathedral because it's just a wonderful location to do things. Because, again, you're able to, to create a presence that can reach out uh, to others. radio.org.au